Well, welcome everyone to another episode of The Miles Driven with me, Miles. And top of the afternoon from Sam. Top of the afternoon. Interesting. Okay. Is this... Are you going to be doing British greetings from now on? No, or? I'll mix it up, I think. Yeah. I'm still waiting for like a... I don't know. I want something from an exotic language that oh, I've sure never you heard do. before. Yeah. But, you know, if you want it, it'll have to come when you... Yeah. Are. So on today's podcast... We're... Oh, hold on. I've got Sam... Sam's waving at me. He's, gonna, he's probably going to break me desk again. Yeah, go on. What we I, got? I might do if you don't listen to me. Yeah. Um, I just I had a question, and if you wanted to chat that in at the beginning. Oh, go on. What we got? This is from Martin Keller this week. I think you actually got it sent to the Instagram, but I I managed to get yeah, the login off you. I did put a few over to you, and you, and you said yeah. Um, he said with certain brands like Volvo going all in on full electric in the near future, do you think that synthetic fuels would be a different alternative, and do you think this would be better? Okay, interesting. Keep up that, the good work. Well, that's very kind of you. Um, that's interesting only because we've got part of the podcast today is going to be about Porsche, the continuation of combustion engines for them and sustainable fuels. So ah, you see, and I knew that because I'd looked at the schedule, obviously. And yeah, picked this clearly, clearly. For yeah. that reason. <laughs> when, when I sent that over to you, I was doing the show notes for this week and I thought right, well, I'll okay. send him a batch of questions and he can probably answer it saying oh we'll do the answer to that one in an upcoming podcast obviously <laughs> you haven't looked and brought it up now which is good yeah nice bit of good luck there so I said well we'll tell you what we'll pick up that question a little bit later on the podcast let's do the first bit first and then it will yeah. tie in with okay. what we've got so first off we're going to cover our a review of the Ford Fiesta ST uh, we're going to have a quick look back at the previous generations and then we'll look at the current generation that's out at the moment because we had mentioned the Ford Fiesta ST a couple of podcasts ago. And I yep. thought, actually, we should do a, a review uh, and mention it in here. And then we'll talk about Porsche and Porsche's idea of extending their own combustion engine development. But also, again, answering that question that we had mentioned previously about, yes, you can do stuff with the engines and you can go electric, whatever else. But if the fuel cleans up, yeah, that might be a, a really good answer, and it looks like that's what they're trying to aim at: getting the fuel as clean as possible, and then way possibly there'll be a decision that says uh, if you use an e-fuel after twenty thirty, that you can keep having a combustion engine, and that might fulfil some of our transport. So, do you want me to to kick it off with the Fiesta, Sam? Or do yeah, you yeah, wanna... you 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 carry on, and I shall jump in with my as usual unbiased and down the middle of the road opinions. Do you remember the first? Fiesta ST had a two litre four cylinder natural the, s- the squarey type square Fiesta. yeah because the really really old ones the more bubbly shape they were just ZTEC S's weren't they? yeah ZTEC S's on that one yeah, yeah. so yes I do know yeah okay <laughs> um, quick bit of stats on them they had uh, quite interestingly basically 150 horsepower 140 foot pound of torque on the two litre naturally aspirated so this ran from 05 to late 2008 so 58 plates, not sure any came out in 09, and uh, 7.9 seconds, so 8 seconds, not 60 in them. Um, as I say, we don't usually like to cover off too many facts on them, but just to give it a context of how the development has happened over the years, from the first generation yeah. to the next one and to the one we have today. I remember driving one of these that had come in, the first time I drove one was a part exchange that had come in, that was in... A ropey condition. <laughs> it's strange because they facelifted this car pretty early in its life. So they released it in 2005. Well, a 54 plate was the earliest Fiesta ST you could get. 
then they facelifted it in fifty six plates. So within two years, oh, okay, it was it was already facelifted. So interesting. They only ran the pre facelift for a very short period of time, and then Chuck's facelift. The facelift really didn't add too much. It was different lights. I've got a picture for you here, Sam, just so just to refresh your memory. So it's different rear lights, different yep. front lights. Not too much else to it. But I remember driving one thinking it felt quite tinny. Yeah. And part of that was because of its light, so understandable. But it, it didn't it didn't really push for a lot of confidence. It was almost like they got a Fiesta, said, Well, we've got a two litre engine. Yeah, we'll just put it in there and see what happens. And see how it goes, we'll put some big wheels on it and, and just feed the market that, that wants the car. Which is not really the Ford way of doing a fast Ford, is it? No, it's bizarre though, because I drove one then a few years later that was actually kept in a nicer condition, and it, it drove quite nicely. Oh, but it, okay. it, it still felt, I think this whole thing is, the the suspension felt a bit stilted. Right. And the seat, for me, didn't really have the adjustment to get yourself comfortable. So you you kind of felt you were sat on the car. Right, okay. So you were sat on the it. road rather than sort of in a car that's on the road. It was, a, it was a bit of a strange... So you could push on, but it didn't inspire confidence beyond, say, seven-tenths. Now, I, you could buy one, put some lowering springs or some sort of modifications, but it sort of takes it away from what Ford had meant with the vehicle. Yeah. Um, that's my experience with the car. They're, they're a bit of a bargain now. You can get one for a couple of thousand pounds. Uh, you, it'd be a bit ropey. Three or four thousand is where... They sort of get to be a bit sensible, and then five or six thousand will buy you quite a nice one. And to be in something that is naturally aspirated, manual gearbox, small, relatively light, it's it's drifting away from us more and more yeah. each year. So actually, I think they they sort of released weren't too much to be excited about, especially because the Focus ST at the time overshadowed them quite a lot, just a bit. Now. As the year, then they sort of went used and weren't really appreciated. And now, 15, 16 years on, people are sort of going, Oh, actually, I could probably enjoy that. And it's not going to be the be all and end all. Clio Sport 197 would be the equivalent, uh, 182 actually would have been the exact equivalent going into the 197. That would, I think that, that would be faster, better on the road, and certainly quicker on a longer country lane. But some people are Ford fans, so. It's got the old-fashioned looks of a fast Ford as well, whereas the newer-shaped ones don't. They're not really Ford, if you know what I mean, like the old-fashioned Ford. Yeah, that, that one's got the good look about it, especially if you get it in blue and if you get the uh, the white racing stripes down it as well. Yeah, so the racing you fit right in with the uh, the Ford crowd. Yes, at a car show. I know we're actually going to do a car podcast on detailing something about car shows in a few a few weeks' time, aren't we? Yeah, I can't remember where that is on the schedule, actually. I think it will come up. Three or four weeks, I think. Okay, yeah. I, th- I think there's a, there's a plus and the minuses of car shows where we're sort of seeing both a positive side to them, that people are able, being able to meet up with like-minded people and get off the internet and get off forums where yeah. you always end up with someone just crashing a forum and you know loading it with, oh, you lot should all have... Yeah. electric cars whatever else at least if you meet up in person a those people don't turn up but if they did they'd probably be a lot more polite to your face than they yeah. will be right it's the same with uh, everything to do with social media yes so we went from this one onto the next generation which had the sort of turbocharged four cylinder 1.6 engine 
this is where the Fiesta of what we know today is coming, the sort of more rounded, sounds, less, sounds less, less aggressive face, if you like. Yeah. Well, as the as compared to the boxy one that we were used to. Yeah. Um, the Same ch- with the Focus. Yeah, yeah. I, I suppose... It looks less... You probably describe it as less chunky. I suppose part of this is uh, crash Oh, yeah, so it all to do with regulation. safety. Because for them to change the shape of the car so drastically wouldn't really make sense unless you were um, looking to... Yeah, I suppose... safety yeah, th- specs. There's always a design language question, but the Fiesta sat kind of outside of their design yeah. language a little bit. No, I, don't, I don't think the new one added too much. What did you think of the Mondeo ST on that generation? Yeah, was, yeah. I mean, they all fit together quite nicely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Whereas the Mondeo that came with this Fiesta... Yeah, they didn't do an ST on it. It was just an absolute was... word we're not allowed to say show. <laughs> you, weren't, you weren't a fan of that one. <laughs> well, I, I just... A very low Sam score. Yeah, it was just very generic, wasn't it? It's... The Mondeo had a certain charm about it. I think it was because they t- had the tie-up with Aston Martin and they tried to nick the grill and the front lights and they yeah. thought we could make a saloon Aston Martin and really what they did is a cheap knockoff look and yeah, that's and they really cheap knockoff yeah, look it's sort of what you'd expect the chinese to do when they were when they were yes, when they right were the latent copying yeah. as in this is a you know so and so whatever and actually you look at it and you think it's a crayon drawn BMW yeah. X5 i remember when a, a certain popular tv show went over there yeah, and, a segment and showed some of the stuff and you were yeah. just like yeah that's Pretty it's just exactly the it, same, but it's got a different badge and a yeah, couple of different bits. But there's there. really not an effort been made no. to try and separate and it. It doesn't look like it's been built as well. No. So the next generation Fiesta ST comes out. It's a second quicker to 0 to 62, um, sorry, 0 to 60, so 6.9 seconds, 180 horsepower, 177 foot pound of torque. So everything bumps up. Driven this as well, it was a quick, quicker on the road car. In almost every scenario, okay, it was also something that you could. It, it started to go towards what we've got today, where the first one, as I said, after seven tenths, I think it was a bit uncomfortable on the road to push. You really, right. okay. you really felt like you were coming towards the limits of the car, and you didn't know how quickly the next three tenths were going to arrive. Okay, sort of so where you'd have sort of a wheel in the air going around the corner without yes. expecting it. Yes. So you've got it on three wheels to an extent, it, which is a famous characteristic of that sized car, isn't yes. it, in a hot hatch version anyway. And you and I have probably both experienced this, and, and a lot of listeners would as well. There's a point where you can just feel on a small hatchback the front grip starting to... You get that sort of juddering feeling on the tyres. It's a bit like when you've got a smaller car on a wet day. Yeah. And you can feel the tyres are starting to slide. You sort of get that sort of judder. There's a point where friction just yeah. begins to slip away from you, and I feel that at seven and a half tenths on that old Fiesta ST, you were there, mm-hmm. and ten tenths was, you in know, a bush. Yeah, <laughs> and it was very, very close. So it was, it was almost like there was no eighth, and there was no driving it eight it or goes nine from, tenths. It goes from seven to snap to ten. To, to, yeah, and you've really got to be eyes wide open and probably doing, uh, you're probably driving a little bit irresponsibly at that point. So. This one comes in, it softens a lot of things up. There's a lot more torque, so you don't always need to be coming into the revs, which, yeah, okay, that's a benefit to have for everyday driving. Obviously, it gets rid of some of the excitement because one of the enjoyable things when you have power at the top end is you have to chase the power. The power isn't always there. Okay. And this is something where modern cars are constantly just delivering us fat 
wads of power mm-hmm. and you don't get to enjoy it for very long. And when people say, oh, I've got 700 horsepower, and you're like, God, how? But when, when do seven... you use it? Yeah, and if you've only got 700 horsepower for 100 RPMs at the very top of the range. Yeah, that's, then... what, that's what I don't think people get. You haven't got 700 horsepower at 2000 RPM. No, and this is where people then have to, you really have to learn to drive. To, yeah. If you want to, to get everything out of it, people can say, I've got 500 horsepower. They actually drive around most of the time with 200 or 300 horsepower mm-hmm. because that's what which is still enough for them for, for the road that's perfect um this is the issue that comes with electric cars is from from the first turn of the wheel yeah it's all there yeah. and <laughs> stopped full power that's why it can feel a bit uncomfortable to really push an electric car that is quick from from nothing because it's not gradual it's immediate and it's there and unless you are eyes wide open and awake to what you're going into it can be a bit so so this generation yeah i think it, it did a good job of moving the fiesta st to something that you could live with more day to day got more fuel efficient because the engine downsized lost some of that i would say danger aspect of the early yeah. one but some people love that about a car but I, it's the way cars were going you had to be more you had to be accessible for everyday driving yeah and a, and a bit bigger and offering a few more luxuries i mean the chunky seats in this one are just a little bit more sporty and welcoming than the they hold their money though don't they these current ones they do well i think they dipped for a while and then that the, we're not the, obviously it's not the current one no no, no, no. The current ones the three cylinder we'll yeah, talk yeah. about in a second but uh yeah this one it went up to about 2016 they do they do actually yeah they, they hold on to their value pretty well i, think I mean I, i'd expect to be able to pick one up for about five grand but it seems like we're looking at more about nine let's have a quick look what's the cheapest you could get i mean yeah right officer at six and a half thousand on auto trader for the cheapest you've got to be going into eight and even then at eight thousand there's a couple of ones here that are that are right off so yeah until you step into the eight nine thousand if you buy a right off you're looking at difficulty in the insurance surely this was a question that i've that has been asked and answered in so many different ways i think if you buy something that has a marker against it i think you i i from experience of quoting them i think you pay a little bit more yeah but i've heard people say the exact opposite that there's been no difference and so i'm just going to say i don't know especially with the new categories i mean i don't 100% understand all the new categories anyway because non structural structural 85 different letters yeah now. so it used to be d c b a so a was it must be crushed you can take a few <laughs> it bits. already is crushed yes <laughs> b was it can be split for parts but not returned to the road c was it's had some structural damage but it can be returned to the road uh, yeah. that could be a suspension component and d was scratches bodywork damage yeah. vandalism stolen but no but it can it's straight away ready to drive yeah now you've got N, which is non-structural. Okay. So that sort of steps in for D. Yeah. S, which is structural, which means a suspension component, maybe a lower arm is bent, something okay. like that. And then you have, I don't actually know what the what the equivalent A and B are. No. But they're, they're, they're parts cars at that point. Right, okay. Funny enough, I used to see Subarus particularly <laughs> that were definitely in the cat B right off segment <laughs> uh, on the back of vans with uh, i'll just say certain eastern european countries uh and i'd always have a really good chat with them because they would usually put a couple of bikes in the back of the van right and okay. then a trailer to carry the car and, and i used to work next to a bike garage 
and they were always friendly people. You know, you see a Subaru and you just want to talk to someone about it or an Evo or whatever else it was. And they say, well, yeah, it's it can't be returned to the road here, but we're taking it back home. We're going to um, oh, okay. do some work on it and it will be driving around. Uh, <laughs> I just used to laugh. I was like, is it economical for you to do today? He said, oh, yeah, we, we can get... We can do stuff a lot cheaper back, home. back in their home nation. Um, they're not worth much here because your government's decided or your DVLA has decided this That's can't it. be returned. Yeah, And uh, some yeah. of them seem very genuine. Some of them, I think, were probably very much bodge jobs. But well, yeah, I mean, if it's keeping cars on the road as opposed to being crushed, then it can only be a good thing, really, as long as they're actually safe to drive. Then. This is the problem. If you've got a cat B, it usually <laughs> was that it had something that was bent so badly that it couldn't yeah. be recovered. But hey, I mean, they did have some cat Ds and cat Cs as well. Good luck to them. Yeah, but over there, when they registered them, they were not, um, they weren't crash registered cars. Oh, when they okay. re-registered them, they didn't have a marker on the title. Oh, okay. That was what they used to tell me anyway. <laughs> so whether that's changed since, but stepping up into the new Fiesta ST. So this is where you go. 1.5 litre, EcoBoost, you can have a five-door. That's that's the big thing for this one, is it's available in a five-door. Yeah, which no one wanted. Which uh, it wasn't before, was it? No. I, uh, well, you got it, opinions on this one? So, in, interestingly, uh, international, uh, sorry, markets outside of the UK could have the previous generation of the five-door. Oh, okay. Uh, we couldn't, which I don't think was any great shakes. I think most people were happy with them in a, in a three-door. But um, uh, definitely they had them in the US as a five-door. I'm trying to think if Europe, maybe in Germany, they had them as a five-door. But anyway, aside from all of that, new one comes out. You can have it in a three-door, you can have it in a five-door. So for progression for statistics, 0-62 run on this. It's weird why some are given in 0-60s. I know why 0-62 is given. It's because it's 0 to 100 kilometres an hour. Yeah. But it's just odd that it's a newer cars now are going back to 0-60. to Right, okay. And if, if anyone searched on Australia for this, they'll find that you now generally get both. Oh, okay. I so it doesn't suppose it makes any really great shakes, does no, it? No, it's just that last, you know, it'll probably be a tenth of a second, that yeah. last bit. Um, 6.5 seconds 0 to 62, 200 horsepower, 214 foot-pounds of torque. So this is where we step up into having more torque than uh, horsepower. Good little first start. What do you think of the look, Sam? Just first off, I mean, it's mu- much the same as the. I say much the same. It's quite similar to the other generation, isn't it? The one before. I just don't like it in a five door. Does that, that doesn't, look, doesn't look like a hot hatch in a five? Yeah, but for the smaller, smaller cars, like uh, for a golf, let me get you a three door golf or a Leon or something like that. They all look better in five doors. But for a car that size, it should be a three door, really. I think hot hatches should generally be three doors. No, but not if it's the size of a a golf. Then you go five love, door. Love a golf in a three door. Yeah, I know you GTI. Would, but you're weird and you don't have any taste. So. <laughs> um. So what do you think of this in a three door? Then uh, well, it's okay. I like the wheels on this. Yeah, it's quite nice. On this new generation. Um, it's it's a Fiesta ST of the new curvier shape. A lot more fuel efficient because they've gone with this one point five three cylinder. They've got an overboost function on them. This is where, again, I think they can be driven. So if the old, if the very old one could be driven at seven tenths, the newer one probably could go to eight tenths. This one, yeah. I think, you pro- you still wouldn't really want to go above eight tenths, but if you had a very clear section of countryside ahead of you, you could probably step up a little bit more because the chassis has got 
better and better over the generations. They yeah. still have the same problem. For me, I always find that Ford or hot Fords have very thick bolsters and they don't, they need to go another sort of inch down. Yeah, they, they're, they're a bit high because you're kind of saying you need to be of a size to fit in this. Yeah. If you're in any way bigger, not necessarily like obese or overweight, but if you've got slightly bigger legs or slightly wider slightly, hips or, or slightly longer bigger upper, shoulders yeah, or longer upper body, then enjoy not being comfortable in your new car. Yeah, you just you always... the screen's a bit odd as well. It almost looks like it's been tacked on afterwards, which it obviously has. But yeah, well, this is that they put this in all of the the mm. newer ones. But yeah, it does look like it's sort of sprouting out the top of the dashboard. But that's a very new car interior with these screens that look like they're sort of perching on top of the dashboard. Yeah. Yeah, it's sort of sprouting out. Yeah. Um, and the, the, years ago, they would have looked like something that folded out. Yes. But they don't anymore at all. It's, yeah, uh, for example, my partner's got a Mazda 2, and that one looks like it should fold down. But it doesn't. But it doesn't. It just stays there, yeah. But I suppose it does lead you to some people getting in your car going, oh, that folds down, that's nice, it's snap. Yes. <laughs> and then you don't have a screen anymore. Got, someone got in your car and snapped the screen. I mean, she said that when she got it, her brother actually got in and said, oh, does this fold down? And she's like, no, stop. <laughs> As it started going... Brilliant. <laughs> um, and also, flat bottom steering wheel comes in on this. I do like vehicle. a flat bottom steering wheel. It's good for. Um, I love a steering wheel that's got like a badge on it as well. Not the, not sorry, it's not the manufacturer badge that's in the middle of the steering wheel all the time, but like on the bottom on the flat bit, got where the it ST. says like ST or yeah. VXR or R line or whatever. Yeah, flat bottom steering wheel is a bit of a mix for me. It gives a little bit extra leg room, which I like. It, it looks cool. I didn't it, even it think just, about the leg room. <laughs> it, it can just make, if you're doing a, a, a tighter turn, yes, you do get a feel for where the wheel is because you've got the, the yeah. underside is flat, but a circular wheel, it just eases through your hands a little bit better as you return back to centre. But it does leave you to having to leave the wheel in the way that all steering wheels should be left, and that is straight when yeah. you stop the yes. car. Yeah. And I feel really passionately about this, and it gets my do. blood up. Yeah. If people leave their wheels just turned any which way, just straighten your steering wheel when you stop. When uh, we mentioned it in the previous podcast, when I had the Clio that just ran around, oh, yeah, that I oh, used to just leave yeah. that. If I was if I was parking outside of Sam's, I'd leave that full lock in one way just to just, just to annoy me. Yes. <laughs> um, okay, well, there's not much more I want to say about a Fiesta ST. What Sam's score across the generations? Oh, across the generations. I'll, I'll give it, I'll give the miles driven Sam score. You give a Sam score of okay. your own. So we're doing that now. Yeah. The, so I'll my give, Sam score is the is it the, the idiot that doesn't know anything <laughs> that just gauges it on what it looks and like. Mine specification, acceleration, <laughs> yeah. maneuverability. Um, first generation, I would give a six point five to seven. Okay, I'm going to give the first generation a seven point five. Okay. Second generation, and then every other generation from then on, I'll give a seven. Okay, I would go seven point five for the second, and. I would stretch. No, I'm going to stick 7.5 for... Uh, no, I'm going to go for an 8. Yeah, because the specification you got in the, late, the latest STs is very good. Acceleration is in, increased. And although I don't like the seating position you're put in, the actual suspension itself and its ability to manoeuvre around, I think, is uh, is good. So, Yeah. I mean, if, if they're making a hot hatch where the combined mileage is going to be... 48. Oh, was that the older generation? That was the previous generation you are just looking at on the stats sheet there. No, not specs, running costs. Sorry, we're just doing things on the iPad. So they've changed they've, the way they record Okay, them. so it's basically a combined total now. Well, that's 40, it's less. 
Yeah, it's because got less economical than the one but before. But only oh. because they changed the test because of the whole diesel gate thing. Of no, it's just not <laughs> yeah. as good. Um, I mean, if you're making yeah, if you're making a hot hatch that's got anything above forty as a combined MPG, I think it's, it's great. pretty good. It's great. Uh, you'd be the... expecting a combined of thirty odd, thirty three. Let's say you'd average it out at for a combined yeah. for a hot hatch. You're going to be driving it a little bit more enthusiastically than what's the average yeah. you're going to get. So. This one of the cars actually I want to bring up on the podcast uh, in a future one will be the uh, Bath or Fiat Bath as it first was, and then the Fiat, and then just the Bath. Yeah, went to a five nine five. That sort of hot little Fiat five hundred they did mm-hmm. because I've driven it. There was a guy I used to work with who had one, and having yep. driven that, you do get a lot, if you're not pedalling, you get a lot of fuel economy. Right, okay. but when you are, it's not the the far, it feels like the fastest thing on the world it's popping and banging and all this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's it gives you the best of both worlds if you are just trying to cruise along. Oh, so, okay. That that's that one. You, we had a question. Do you just want to re- refresh the question for me, just because we're going to go yes, into Porsche now. I can do. I'm not stalling for time at all. Not at all. No. Um, said so bit of a long shot. Uh, wanted to ask. Uh, anyway. With brands like Volvo going all in on electric, a full electric lineup in the future, do you think sustainable fuels like gas-driven cars or synthetic fuels would be another alternative or a better way forwards? Right. So the, the the section we were going to have here was Porsche have said they are going to commit to a continuation of combustion engines past twenty thirty, and most likely past twenty thirty five. So if you've listened to the previous podcast, we covered BMW's statement of this, which is they're going to keep selling both petrol and diesel, uh, and they're going to keep developing. Porsche saying not only are they going to do that, but they want to try and answer the other side of the question, which is the fuel that goes in. And so some people have heard of this. In South America, they actually have a... I don't want to call it a... Um, what do you have when it's a, a fuel station, Sam? And you're cleaning, you're, you're separating the fuel up? You a refinery. To, a refinery, thank you. <laughs> It's not quite a refinery, but they're... What were you going to say then? I used to have one in my back garden. No, I was going to say when you lived down in Southampton. Oh, right, yeah, we... they've got the big BP refinery yes. down there. Yeah. It just immediately swung to my head. Because you said you used to have, and I was like, I don't think I've ever owned a fuel refinery. <laughs> if you did... I mean, I think... if I did, I, th- I don't think we'd be sat here in your office doing <laughs> no, this. No. <laughs> we'd probably have a custom-built studio. Yes. Um, so I think the big step that Porsche are taking here is they're saying... They want to step forward with an initiative for e-fuel that is sustainable and that that way anyone who owns their cars, classic cars, people who want to keep hold of older 911s, people who've got current generation 911s, will always be able to drive them. On the next step, stepping forwards, they want to say, our USP has always been the engine at the back of a 911. Yep. A lot of people will buy a Porsche based on its performance and what it can deliver. They're not necessarily all the, the be-all and end-all of sound, depending on what noise you like. If you like a V8... I think they're quite nice. They can, they can be, but like, I mean... What is it, a flat six, usually? It's a boxer. A okay. Boxer. Boxer engine. Sounded trying to sound like I knew what I was talking about there. Yeah. You were... slapped back down there, didn't I? <laughs> they're, they're generally all boxers in a Porsche. Right, OK. <laughs> um, they, they do a V6 in, in a diesel... Right, okay. But there's no... I'm trying to think if... The, oh, and they have a V8, which goes in a few different... The sort of Cayenne and Panamera. That sounds nice, anyway. A yeah, I, I just think a 911... For example, the 997 Turbo isn't a particularly uh, 
out of, out of the factory, the 997 generation. Yeah, yeah. And the 996 wasn't that acoustic either, compared Very to... Very good-looking car, though. I know, you're a big fan of that generation, <laughs> which is why I picked it up. But I was going to say, compared to, for example, a, a Ferrari 430 of the time, which happens oh, yeah, and all course, that sort of yeah. stuff. Um, so there's people there's They're people different cars, love. though. I mean, I feel like you probably couldn't live with a Ferrari every day. I feel like it would get a bit tedious. Well, I think with, a say, a, a 911 Turbo, you could probably live with that every day. Is that a fair comment? It seems yeah, to be more of an everyday livable car. I think that's the, the real attraction for most people in a 911, is that you, you could, could just cruise down the motorway. Or down to the local shops. Whereas in a Ferrari, you're going down to the local shops, you've got to park it for a start. You're going to be constantly worried about the attention you're going to get from it. Whereas a Porsche can blend in to yeah, an extent. If, if you bought a silver Carrera, it's always going to look a little bit more special, but it's yeah. not going to... It's not going to scream. It's not a yellow show, is it? Lamborghini, is it? No. Sorry, anyway. Sam, I thought you were going to go on No, there. no. <laughs> um, Nice bit of dead air. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which you'll edit out now to make me like an idiot. Oh, yeah. I've probably edited out what most of the stuff you said. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, the other part that Porsche, Porsche said that they're convinced that there's been a misunderstanding by rulemakers. That's a direct quote from them. That internal combustion engines can't be green. And this is something that we've sort of touched on a few times where a lot of people concentrate on an engine and say an engine burns fuel. Fuel does release gases out of an exhaust so it can never be green then you remember that certain combustion engines i mean if you combust a fuel that has only water for example like a hydrogen combustion yeah if it only releases water out of the exhaust it's clean the, yeah the trouble will always be how do you get the hydrogen how much energy do you have to use to create the hydrogen in a liquid form to use and the same for e-fuels there's the question of how much energy are you putting in to get your fuel. This is the same for electricity. If you buy an electric car, yes, you just plug it up to the mains. But how's the electricity being created? So if, by a big coal burning I would coal say burning if, power if, if there's a coal plant next door to your house <laughs> and that's burnt a load of coal to give you the energy, it's now, of course, some people live in countries where it's all wind. Well, it's not all wind, but there's wind and solar are huge wind. Which are, these be... which are these countries that are all wind, Miles? You know, I think you'd have to be in Scotland or somewhere <laughs> up in the Highlands, wouldn't you? I think Holland would be. It's quite a wind, notoriously windy country. They have it? a lot of windmills. That's why they had windmills. Yeah, so they... And it's very flat. So the wind can just whip over the... I think they're, they're the pretty good on the energy fields. mix field. Because the UK is actually very good on the energy mix field from... I, I don't see why we aren't just surrounded by wind turbines in the sea and in the, hill, in the hills. Yeah. Well, it's, I'm not suggesting you rip up the Peak District and just chuck a load of wind turbines no. out. I've, I've, I've never really understood the idea of being against saying, oh, they look ugly. I don't think... I don't, if they're, when they're out to sea, they're usually a mile or two out to sea, aren't they? Yeah. I think they look quite nice in the distance. Yeah. And also, if they are in the countryside, as long as they're grouped together and you're not plastering one every mile across the yeah. entirety of the countryside, that's fine. As long as people know, we're going to have to make a compromise. And if... You say, this area is beautiful, we want to keep 90% of it beautiful, but we're willing to sacrifice 10% of the looks. Yeah. You can still walk around them, it's just there's going to be huge turbines spinning around there. I was going to suggest that you could edit motorways and have them in down the central reservation, but I don't know if you saw a news story from the storm last Friday. Oh, yeah. There's actually a still, I meant to bring it in to show you, of a wind turbine that had actually collapsed in the wind completely folded in half and collapsed no to the floor, way. Where which was I it? thought was really interesting. Was it in the UK? Yeah. Oh, I can't remember. I didn't, I didn't read into it, so I don't, don't know, know how exactly it was. But okay, yeah. I shall try and show you at some point. So but It might not be an idea to put them on motorways at this point. But probably for that reason, not. No. 
the the other side to this is that yeah regulations are going to come in that are going to say we're going to ban petrol and diesel engines no one has said so far that an e-fuel burning green engine is banned no no one has actually come out with that sort of statement so even if it ran off clean fuel we're still going to ban a combustion engine and so again if you're looking at this as an energy mix it's like some people can use solar if you live in greece if you if anyone has ever flown on a, a small aircraft over greece greek islands cyprus what you'll see on everyone's roof is solar panels yeah, well, again, so that's take another of... thing that I don't see why we don't... I know we don't have as much sun in this country, but we have enough. Yeah, we still get daylight. Yeah. And there's certain areas of the country that are actually... People say it rains here 364 days a year. But it, it doesn't. really doesn't. <laughs> uh, we, 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 as a country, we love to exaggerate. Yeah, we just... Well, we just want to... Well, we've got the worst weather in history. Well, and there's people in places like Thailand where they have the monsoon season going, yes. oh, is your drizzle upsetting you, is yes. it? Yes. <laughs> So the, the target for Porsche is to be carbon neutral. So you have a synthetic fuel, you make it using green energy. So you've got wind turbines, uh, solar, powering a type of refinery, I'll say, to make a carbon neutral fuel, a synthetic based petrol, if you yeah. like. That would then mean that as far as the production has uh, has caused very little if any impact to the environment you then need to transport that fuel to filling stations that's the current problem if you're looking to be completely green oh, okay. because we know that shipping is just not clean well if it's coming from the country if it's coming in the same country we're talking about it's not it's south america that's their main plant okay. right okay that's so it's quite it's quite because a i don't know they're currently um in the process of, I don't know this because someone that used to work with us has actually gone to work for a new company and this was one of his projects that he was started on. Okay. They're doing a new fuel line to Heathrow from Southampton. Oh, wow. So that he's there doing all the tree conservation work, like saying which yeah. trees can be removed and basically he's plotting where the pipeline can go. So this is because of the trees. From which the is refinery. Good. So, like, yeah, but if there's trees that they don't want to take down, they're yeah. moving the pipeline. That's good. Instead of just ripping the trees out. Yeah, that's good. Um, but I was going to suggest, obviously, it. if it was in this country, we could just start piping fuel yeah. to like a, a central hub. It doesn't have to be moved as yeah. far then. I'm not suggesting we rip up the whole country and put in a, no, a but, sewer, if you like, for yeah. fuel. But. I think there's a lot of answers that can be in. And just this one caught my eye because I like the fact that Porsche is saying, look, there is an energy mix answer rather than a bold-headed strategy that sounds very good on paper but some people are car enthusiasts and just ripping apart their hobby and saying you're not allowed to enjoy that anymore i think that's unfair for a start yeah I, I don't go out to people who enjoy i don't know name a hobby sam name a oh, really? conquer collecting yeah okay coin collecting and say you're model banned. trains model trains yeah no banned As why a, <laughs> because it's bad for the environment oh, okay because it's very kind. Because it, you know, you had to fly them here from whatever country they were built in, all this sort of stuff. It's just also, it'd be quite bad for this podcast. Be terrible <laughs> when we're just having to report on everybody's got the same box. electric car. Yeah, and we just report. Oh, well, we we'll call from John today who says his box is doing something different to yeah, someone else's box. It's been hacked. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's it for this podcast. I, I wanted to cover off Porsche. Oh, I wow. wanted to cover off. There you go. Their developments. A, a mini pod. Yeah, and I wanted to cover off that they are at least trying to answer the question, and I think more so than some manufacturers that are sounding very green with, 
yes, we're going to do electric cars. Okay, are you doing anything to help with the generation of that electricity and with the ability to get hold of that electricity yeah. greenery? Because if you're driving up a motorway or if you're driving a long distance cross country and there's nowhere to charge, then yeah, what do you do? I mean, so, for, I'll go back to the Peak District and Lake District analogy again. Are you going to start tearing up parts of the Lake District to put in charge points? This is yeah, this is the problem, isn't it's, it? Some some things aren't practical. No, and that's that that wouldn't be practical. And you something can't, you can't rip up give. the the natural beauty spots of the country just to put in a just to put a, a charge, charge station. Spot. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. Enjoy that one, Sam. Very much so. I'm glad we got another question in. It, as I say, just just happened to us where we get a question in, and it does happen to be something that was coming up in a future podcast. But this one was a bit more coincidental than, than we've yeah. had before, so that's good. Um, do send us in your questions if you do have something you're interested in knowing. If you like it, then as I've said before, give us a review, give us a rating. Need to come up with like a snappy end, so you know. James, May's like, got this, like, uh, share and. Like share. Tell your friends. <laughs> Maybe something a bit better. But we'll end that we'll end this one with like, share and tell your friends. Yeah. And tell them all about Sam's snappy title yeah. and, and where to get the podcast. Right, thanks everyone for listening and we'll see you in the next one. We'll see you then. <laughs>